Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God's response to Moses as we pick up in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Chapter 5 of the book of Exodus, we left Moses in great despair. He did what he thought God was calling him to do. He went to the Pharaoh and demanded the release of the children of Israel. But the Pharaoh, rather than releasing them, only increased the burdens and the severity of their slavery until the children of Israel started really getting on Moses' case, saying, why didn't you leave us alone? We were much better off before you ever came. And now since you've come, things are really hard on us. We wish you would have left us alone. And so Moses, in turn, went to God and said, God, what were you asking me to do? Why did you ask me to do it, Lord? Because you haven't delivered them, and things are just worse. You know, it is interesting how that many times when we launch out into what we feel is the will of God for our lives, that things don't work out exactly like we thought they were going to work out. Sometimes things turn into total chaos, and we're prone to challenge again our calling. God, did you really call me to do this? And if you call me to do this, how come it's turned into such a mess? Now, Moses didn't want to go in the first place. He had said, oh, Lord, please call somebody else. The Lord became angry with Moses. Moses did what the Lord said, and just things seemed to be going just the opposite of what he had anticipated and expected. I do believe that any time we enter into any kind of ministry for the Lord, that Satan is going to challenge our commitment of faith. And that Satan is going to do his best to discourage us right at the beginning of any ministry. He's going to make you question the call of God upon your life. He's going to challenge the work of God within your life. Especially if that ministry has to do with some of the gifts of the Spirit. How Satan loves to challenge any exercise of the gift of the Spirit. For instance, the gift of prophecy. He that prophesieth, Paul said, let him prophesy according to his portion of faith. But many times when you, by faith, step out and and speak what you feel to be the word of God, people will challenge it. And it'll cause you to question, was that really God that was speaking to me? And Moses came to this place of challenge. The people challenged him and challenged his ministry, 
And he in turn challenged God. Why did you send me? Things aren't any better, they're only getting worse. So beginning with chapter 6, we have God's response to his diswrought prophet. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Moses, you haven't seen anything yet. Now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Because with a strong hand, he's not going to just let them go. He's going to drive them out. By the time they go, he's going to be glad to see them gone. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Now that is, it might look upon the service as just sort of, you know, well, of course. But how many times we forget that? How many times we think we're in the driver's seat? How many times we think we ought to be controlling the situation? I'm sure that these people are falling after this command God bit and are going around ordering God like he's some kind of a little puppet or robot. That God is saying to them, hey, wait a minute, I am the Lord. Who's in control? Who's guiding these things? Who's governing over these things? Moses, I am the Lord. Many times we try to take that position away from him. But he needs to remind us who he is. And we need to be reminded of who he is because there is a danger of forgetting who he is as we are so prone to exalt ourselves or to exalt man, to forget that he is the Lord. And when we forget that he is the Lord, then we fall into that category that Paul was referring to in Romans chapter 1, who when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They began to take things in their own hands. They began to live as though God was their servant rather than they were God's servants. We need to be reminded that he is the Lord and not only that he is the Lord, but of the greatness of his power and of his wisdom and of his glory. So many times we look at our problems and they seem so big, overwhelming. I look at that mountain in front of me and I think, oh, nothing can move that mountain. And I get discouraged because that mountain looks so big and I come with, to God with sort of timidity. You even hate to ask him because you know it's such a huge mountain. And you know it's impossible for you to move it and you just wonder if God can really do it. The disciples, when they came to the Lord, with a, they had a heavy problem. They said, O oh Lord, thou art God. Thou hast created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them. Hey, that's a good thing to remind yourself of before you pray. The heavens out there are the work of his fingers. He's created it all. So that mountain that is in front of you, Though it may look like Everest to you, it is nothing in the eyes of God. 
It is nothing for thee to help, Lord, with many or with those that have no power. Next time you think that that mountain that you have in front of you is maybe too big for God to move, get up at about 4 o'clock, 3.30, and look out into the western sky and look at the constellation Orion and take a careful look at the left shoulder of Orion. That's Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is 415 million miles in diameter. If you would hollow out the center of Betelgeuse, leaving a crust 100 million miles thick, you could put the sun in the middle of Betelgeuse and let the earth rotate around it and have 100 million miles to spare. Betelgeuse is a pretty big mountain. And it happens to be traveling at about 19 miles a second. Have you ever wondered what kind of a force or thrust it took to get Betelgeuse into orbit? <laughs> Something that huge, moving that fast? You ever wondered what thrust, what force? I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> When I consider the heavens, David said, the work of thy fingers, hey, all of my problems seem really small. <laughs> that mountain doesn't look nearly so big. God said to Moses to, you know, he's had his feathers ruffled and he was all upset. God said, hey, wait a minute, I'm the Lord. And so many times we get all upset, our feathers ruffled. And he said, hey, wait a minute, I'm the Lord. I'm in control, I've got it, you know. And we need to remember that, that what a comfort to know that he is the Lord and he is in control. And I appeared unto Abraham and to Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by the name Jehovah was I not known to them. Now, that is in the sense that the word means the becoming one. Actually, Abraham used the term Jehovah Jireh when his son Isaac said, Dad, where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. But yet God is saying, by my name Jehovah was I really not known. In other words, they knew him in a less personal way than Moses was to know God. They knew him as the almighty God, the creator of the heaven and the earth. And some of you may know him as the almighty God, the creator of the heaven and the earth. Whenever I hear a person beginning his prayer, Oh, thou mighty God, creator of the universe. I think, well, they really don't have a very close relationship with him. When I hear someone come in and say, hey, Dad, really in trouble. <laughs> I feel, my, they've got a neat 
working relationship with the Father. I was with some Italians once in a prayer meeting, and they started saying, oh, Papa. <laughs> and I, I was shocked for a moment. I thought, my, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> and then I found out that Papa was Father in Italian. I thought, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I like that, Papa. Your child's in trouble. I need help. It's glorious to have a close, intimate relationship with God. To know him by that name Jehovah, where he becomes to me all that I need. Now, they had not really appropriated that fullness of God that he wants to be to his people. They were sort of, God was sort of a far-off, great, powerful, almighty force, creative. Yet he was known in a personal sense, but yet always in that vast distance that exists between the infinite and the finite. Now God is coming closer to man, and he said, They've not known me by my name, Jehovah. You're going to know me in a closer, more intimate way, even as God wants to relate to you in a closer, more intimate way. And for that purpose, he sent his only begotten son. Why? That you might relate to God in the closest kind of intimate relationship as a father with his child that you might boldly come in to his presence, that you might receive mercy in your time of need. It's funny. Sometimes when people come into the office to see me, they're so nervous that they forget really what they want to say. And I feel sort of funny because, hey, I'm nobody, and I know I'm nobody. And, and yet, because of what God has done through my life, people respect that work that God has done through me, though it doesn't make me anything. It just glorifies God that he's able to take something like me and make something through me of his grace and love. Just shows how great God is. But yet people sometimes have that sort of, oh, Chuck, you know, that it was something, though it really isn't, and you don't need to be that way if you feel that way at all. But I'll tell you, my grandkids aren't that way. <laughs> Man, they come storming into the office. They don't care what kind of a counseling session I'm in or anything else, you know. And they interrupt whatever's going on. Grandpa, I need an ice cream cone. <laughs> and I'll tell you, they get first priority because of relationship. But God wants you to have a neat, beautiful relationship with him. He wants you to feel a perfect freedom of just coming in. Any time, even with the most trivial things. 
He wants to have that kind of relationship. And thus God is expressing, look, they knew me as God Almighty. I revealed myself to them. They knew me as God Almighty, but they didn't really know that relationship of intimacy that I want you and the people to experience as I take it. I begin to watch over you and I begin to care for you and I begin to put the food on your table. And I have also established my covenant with them, that is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Now, first of all, God establishing himself to Moses. I have, I have, I have. I've made my covenant with them. I know. I've heard. And I have remembered my covenant. Sometimes because of time delays, we feel that God has forgotten his promises. And in the last days, the Bible says scoffers will come, saying, where is the promise of the coming of Jesus Christ? Because of the time delay, men will scoff. But God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is faithful. Wherefore, God said, Say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you. First of all, I am, and then I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage, for I am the Lord. So he started out by saying, I am, and then he threw in all these I wills, and he comes back to I am. Now, a promise is usually just as good as the person making it. And there are some people who have made many promises, but I don't put much stock into it. When I was just a little guy, there was a knock at the front door. My parents went, and this guy introduced himself as, as our cousin Pringle, some relative of my dad's. And they came in, oh, this is your family, Charles. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And he kissed all of his kids. And he looked at me very sternly and he said, now, son, don't smoke. <laughs> and if you don't smoke until you're 21, I'll give you a gold watch. Well, I thought that was sort of a funny thing for him to say because he was smoking. <laughs> I didn't smoke until I was 21. In fact, I haven't smoked yet, but I've never seen him again. <laughs> so I've got a gold watch promise to me that I've never seen because I've never seen that cousin Pringle again. 
So there are some promises that you just can't put much stock in. But I'll tell you, when God begins to promise and he begins them by saying, hey, look, I am the Lord and I will and I will. And there are seven I wills there of God. What God will do for his people. And because the history of the children of Israel is typical history and it typifies the child of God coming out of bondage through the Red Sea baptism into a new relationship of faith with God in the wilderness and on in through the death to the old life and the old self into the land of promise a life of richness and fullness. We can take these I wills of God to Israel and we can apply them to our own lives as God is promising, I will deliver you from the heavy burdens. I will rid you from the bondage of your flesh and of that old life. And I will redeem you and take you for a people and I will be to you a God and I will bring you into the fullness of that which I have promised. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 6 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, bless you, and may you begin to see fruit from the seed that has been sown in your heart. As God begins to take the word and use it just as a life-changing power. May the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly by faith. And may the Lord touch your life in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible. 
all on a 16-gig reusable flash drive. Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at one 800 272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.